Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. This Clean Tech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG. A global leader in intellectual property law, Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian clean tech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit GowlingWLG.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Today, we're kicking off a new series focused on clean tech adoption. In this three-part series, we'll hear from some of Canada's top clean tech entrepreneurs as they share the obstacles hindering widespread adoption of clean technologies. In addition, we'll speak with industry leaders who have already made the shift towards sustainability, learn about the changes they've made in their operations, and find out what they look for when searching for solutions to meet their emissions goals. Today, I'll be talking with the CEO of Summit Nanotech, Amanda Hall, and CEO of Zilla Works, Jason Perikal, about the challenges they overcame while looking for customers and what can be done to speed up cleantech adoption by industry partners. Every major Canadian industry is facing the challenge of meeting ambitious emissions targets. Canada's plan of reaching net zero emissions by 2050 requires a lot of immediate change. We need to accelerate the process of connecting industry with innovators in order to quickly deploy emissions-reducing clean tech into traditional practices. In general, large industries are risk-averse, reluctant to make changes to their operations and adopt early-stage technologies at the cost of productivity and bottom lines. Clean tech can be more expensive than existing technologies, and in many places around the world, the regulatory environment still lacks supportive government policy that encourages clean tech adoption. But the cost of clean tech is changing. If you listened to our three-part series on capital, you'll also know that there is often a lack of financing for the deployment and implementation of clean tech solutions. For companies focused on reducing costs, that can be disincentivizing to implement new infrastructure, pay a green premium, and take a risk on new technology. But within all industries, there are leaders looking to invest into greener practices. Jason and the team at ZillaWorks managed to grow their client base from snowboards to the energy sector. ZillaWorks created a hemp-based epoxy resin that is more environmentally friendly than traditional petroleum-based alternatives and safer to manufacture. It is also suitable for high-performance products like outdoor sport and recreation gear, Zilla's original target market. Burton Snowboards was one of ZillaWorks' first partners. Jason said that he always had a passion for sustainability and knew there was an opportunity in the marketplace for hemp-based products when the legalization of hemp as a crop got underway in the United States. Here's Jason discussing how they make their hemp-based epoxy and how he capitalized on the opportunity. We recognized, one, we need to shift away from extractive resources to renewable resources, and two, that there was a market opportunity coming with the eventual legalization of industrial hemp in the United States. We spent the first four to five years of this endeavor 
just doing market analysis, trying to figure out what's the highest value added product we could produce from the highest value part of the crimp, uh, of the hemp crop. Consequently, we take the hemp seed oil and convert it to a bioepoxy resin through our patented process. Once we landed on the bioepoxy resin technology, our COO and co-founder, Evan Boucher, had experience working with epoxies in making skis. Um, through additional market research, we realized that the outdoor industry offered a great testing bed for our bioresin. They're quicker to adopt new technologies, they have high margins, and they require high performance standards. Plus, their end customers are already aligned with our values, meaning that they recognize how climate change is impacting our abilities to enjoy the outdoors and have been calling for many years for manufacturers to adopt lower carbon emissions. Zilla is specifically targeting customers with strong ESG goals. They typically have already advanced in their internal discussions and have some stated sustainability goals around reducing carbon footprint or carbon emissions. So those are the customers that are kind of like the early adopters, again, across multiple verticals that we're targeting. Finding the right market for your technology is a crucial step in deploying it effectively. And for a company like Zilla producing epoxy resin, the potential seems endless. As Jason is quick to point out, epoxy is everywhere. And Zilla's bio-based epoxy could be deployed across multiple sectors. Zilla recently found a new market in clean energy, manufacturing wind turbine blades from their plant-based epoxy. In 2021, Foresight ran a challenge with Vestas, a green energy company that manufactures, services, and installs wind turbines around the globe. ZillaWorks was one of the two winners of that challenge and partnered with Vestas to explore further opportunities to transform how wind turbines are manufactured. But the market opportunities don't stop with snowboards and wind turbines. Zilla has also formulated floor coatings for hospitals and schools, are planning on expanding into the automotive space, and are even looking into construction industry, creating things like ladders and composite rebar coatings. The easiest way for a clean tech venture to enter a new market is to clearly demonstrate the impact of their product. Jason found the perfect testbed market within the outdoor recreation industry and was quickly able to expand his business from there. With 60% smaller carbon footprint compared to traditional petroleum-based epoxies, it was a win-win for everyone. Their potential for multi-market disruption is huge, but that presents itself its own set of challenges. Getting a potential industry customer to change the way they operate can be a huge ask. Without the right team, patience, and perseverance, not to mention secure funding, it can be a painstaking ordeal for ventures to pilot their technology with corporate clients, and the process of proving your product's viability can take years. Here's Jason's take on how scaling has affected Zilla's product deployment and how that has impacted the adoption process we're kind of in a strange position as a pre-revenue startup. We have lots of potential customers asking for our bioresin. And this is because we built our team with folks with extensive networks in our beachhead market and other market segments. Again, through our market discovery process, our greatest challenge has been producing the resin beyond lab scale. You know, of course, chemistry doesn't scale linearly. Uh, you can't just like double the recipe. Uh, so as you're moving from glassware in the lab to steel reactors, so many parameters change, and it's a very slow and tedious process to scale up 
production. And then on the customer side, there's still a material qualification process that you have to go through, you know, for aerospace, um, that can be as much as 10 years. There's still this iterative process where, okay, we're going to test the one kilogram sample in doing some, you know, prototypes and some destructive testing. And then the next phase is let's do a limited production run and put snowboards on snow, for example. And then let's do some partial adoption in the manufacturing process. And then let's get to full adoption. So it's still a multi-year process uh, in order to get to, to full adoption across any customer. Building a solid product and securing customers isn't the only challenge facing startups. As Jason points out, Zilla is not only developing a disruptive product, but also an entirely new supply chain. A new and novel process can be expensive, which adds another layer of risk for potential industry adopters. It's a major dilemma for many innovators who could either take on those costs themselves and potentially run out of capital or try to pass those costs onto their customers, which could drive them away from adopting the new technologies. This is the situation many disruptive startups find themselves in. But things are starting to change. Government regulations, consumer pressures, and an increased focus on ESG mandates are starting to tip the scales in favor of clean tech innovators. The reality is that you know many of the solutions that we're talking about, such as Zilla's bio-epoxy resin, is competing against the petroleum industry, which has a hundred year head start, decades of subsidies, and years of innovation and optimization. Trying to move to bio-based solutions, we're essentially setting up entire new supply chains, which are not currently that efficient. Cost is always something that customers and investors want to know about. However, reaching price parity will take time for efficiency gains and economies of scale. Retailer requirements, government regulations, carbon markets, those types of factors are all starting to change that equation. And we need more companies with strong ESG goals and willingness to adopt more sustainable solutions while still having patience or flexibility on price parity. Or from an investor perspective, to understand that in clean tech, especially hard tech, there's not like this hockey stick financial graph that provides the desired ROI in you know five years. Hard tech is more like a J curve where the company is gonna be losing money initially, however, has a clear path to climb into the black with scale. Building a profitable business can take years. For hard tech developers, partnering with patient investors who understand why the timelines are so long is critical. Once you have a viable product, proving the effectiveness of it can also be an extremely long and painstaking process, but one that must be undertaken in order to secure customers. Our other guest this week, Summit Nanotech CEO Amanda Hall, has spent 18 years in the resource extraction industry, including potash mining and oil and gas extraction. Amanda said her role providing energy to the world gave her a sense of pride, but she had a change of heart. During lectures at the University of Calgary, she began telling students that the future needed to be won without oil sand exploitations. Here's more from Amanda on that. And then sure enough, within a few years, I had quit my job in oil and gas and started looking at lithium as a resource play and imagining ways that I could improve that process so that we could get more lithium to the marketplace to feed into electric vehicles so that we can bring down greenhouse gas emissions and transition to renewable energy. And to me, 
that was the responsible way to be using my skills as a geophysicist, responsible in, in setting up a, a better future for future generations. But also it was a lot more satisfying for me to use my skills in this way than just drilling wells for oil. So it was a huge existential crisis that brought me to starting Summit Nanotech. Summit Nanotech uses a novel process to increase the speed and efficiency at which lithium is extracted. Typically in lithium mining, salt water is brought to the surface through drilling and then left to evaporate. Throughout the evaporation stage, different impurities will precipitate out of solution. Impurities like magnesium, calcium, sodium, and potassium. And the very last thing left in the water is lithium. Summit Nanotech captures the lithium from the saltwater brine using lithium-selective nanomaterials while everything else is pumped back underground where it came from. Their process uses less energy, less water, and creates less greenhouse gas emissions, all while increasing lithium yields. Their first pilot project was conducted in Chile, where they have seen massive success and since attracted the attention of more investors. On January 18th, 2023, Summit Nanotech announced that they had closed a funding round of 50 million US dollars. But the process to get to this point has taken years of work, And despite seeming like a clear and easy solution, Amanda and her team still encountered resistance when deploying their technology into the marketplace. I think the biggest resistance to new technology is just the the risk that it won't work at large scale. And so, you know, you can have a solution work great in beakers or even great in in a little benchtop prototype. But when you try to scale it up to something industrial size and put it in the field, you know, you can spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and have something that doesn't work. And so from the miners perspective, I totally understand why they're resistant to trying new technology. The important thing for us to do as a technology provider is to take on as much of that risk as possible ourselves. And so that's why we need to raise large, large amounts of capital before we're commercial scale It's so that we can slowly build larger and larger versions of our technology in a stepwise fashion so that we can prove to the mining companies that as we grow the technology, it will work from from one stage to the next. And so the investors really are taking on the risk with us. A lot of our investors are scientists, which is great because they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how long it's going to take. So getting patient investors is a really important part of this process. Amanda's approach to securing their first customer shows a lot of commitment to her vision for the company and combating the climate crisis. As we noted at the top of the show, large established industries are in general risk-averse operations. Amanda's approach of taking on the burden of raising the capital needed in order to deploy Summit Nanotech solutions minimize their potential customers' risk, the impact on their operations, and the risk they are taking by implementing a new process, making it easier for potential industry partners to say yes. But that strategy also comes with a lot of effort on the venture side. Finding investors is notoriously difficult for clean tech innovators. Access to capital is the number one issue preventing clean tech startups from scaling. Finding the right investors is even harder. As Jason mentioned earlier, the financial graph of many clean hard tech startups is not typically hockey stick shaped. Attracting investors often means demonstrating a plan to revenue through scale, and having those patient investors that Amanda mentioned on your side is so important, since customers will often only come on board after a company can demonstrate the effectiveness of its technology. Apart from the technology scale-up risk, 
I found going into the mining sector that uh, there were lots of other fears as well. Um, taking jobs away from the miners, that was something that came up. Um, making the tech team at the existing mine site look bad. So in that sense, it was really important for us to partner with the technology uh, experts from the mine sites to make them look good and make them look like they were helping us lead the pathway to a new technology deployment. And then finally, just being a gringa, being a white woman made it challenging to get, you know, South American male dominated mining um, businesses to give me a chance and let me show them how the technology works. It's impossible to find our customers in Canada. There are no lithium mines in Canada that can use our technology. And so we had to leave and go to foreign territory, which is, you know, it's not your backyard. You don't know the regulatory systems as well. You don't know the language necessarily. Um, the way you do things like the culture even and how you interact with locals, like all of that was foreign to us. But luckily, the technology spoke for itself and people saw the results and or people meaning um, international mining companies. Uh, they started to get excited about our solution, despite us being foreigners. Um, you know, I think in, in situations like this, especially with fighting climate change, you have to take down the boundaries or the borders of your country and think of yourself from a metropolitan perspective as a a citizen of the world rather than a citizen of Canada necessarily, and realize that the best location for your solution might not be Canada. It might be somewhere else. So you just have to fearlessly go into foreign territory and explore. Climate change is a problem without borders. And while international expansion adds a new layer of complexity to a, a startup's operations, if we want a net zero future, clean tech innovators must be prepared to export their solutions globally. Developed countries are more often than not the largest contributors of greenhouse gas emissions, but it's the poorest and most underdeveloped nations who suffer the most from climate impacts and are in the greatest need of clean technologies. This is why we need to move quickly to validate, scale, and deploy solutions. 2030 is approaching incredibly fast, and if we want to hit our ambitious climate targets, we need industry leaders who are willing to work with clean tech innovators and have supportive policies that enable and encourage these relationships. But as Amanda and Jason have both discovered, some industries are very slow to move through the process of changing their operations to accommodate clean technologies. One other thing that was challenging for us going into these large mining companies is just the slow pace that they move. So for instance, biggest mining company in the world, it took us two years to get an NDA signed just to have a conversation with them. So that's the kind of patience and long sales cycles that we're dealing with, with these large mining companies. I would guesstimate that given the increased demand for lithium and these types of raw materials, that they must have some pressures to think about how they do things more efficiently and get more out of the land base or the resource base that they're working from. Is that a fair statement? It is totally fair. And the pressures aren't just about efficiency and yield. It's also coming from local communities and governments on using resources in the most sustainable way. And so governments are actually imposing, exploring sustainable solutions rather than doing things the way they've already always been done. 
Both of our guests today have discussed how important patient investors are in terms of speeding up the scaling and adoption process for new clean tech innovations. But there are also some things that entrepreneurs can do to create a smooth pathway to market entry. Having a thorough understanding of the marketplace and where you fit is critical in effectively deploying your technology. Before Amanda and the Summit Nanotech team had fully developed their technology, they went through extensive interview processes with potential customers, trying to understand the issues they faced in their day-to-day operations and where their most severe pain points were. Before we landed on our technology, our finalized technology solution, we interviewed our potential customers over and over and over again, like every customer we could find in the world, like we are whale hunting, not fishing. So we've got, there's only a handful of lithium miners in the world, but taking all the data that we gathered from interviewing the customers and then stacking it up and seeing the repeated patterns on what the problems were. And then we made sure that we tailored our technology to solve those problems first. And the ones that weren't as important to the customers, um, we would put on the back burner and say, we'll deal with that later. And so interviewing your customers and really understanding where their pain points are and what's important to them will expedite your your adoption, the adoption of your technology into the new marketplace. Understanding the market and your customer needs are absolutely critical steps to take before deploying or even developing a clean tech solution. Having a clear problem to solve will accelerate your path to market. We know we can collectively change the course of the climate crisis, but how do we get there? Canada is one of the largest per capita carbon emitters in the world. That gives us a moral imperative to act, to demonstrate that we can make changes to the way we operate that puts the environment first. We need more corporate leaders that are willing to work with the clean tech innovation community on implementing solutions that will reduce their emissions. We need investors in capital, either private or public, that can lower the risk for industry partners who are adopting new technologies. And we need the voices of the public to send a clear message that consumers and customers have an appetite for sustainable solutions and are willing to pay for it. I have asthma. And so I I struggle to breathe sometimes when I go for a run. And when I am in a country like China, for instance, where the pollution is so bad that taking a breath of fresh air just isn't possible, it makes my asthma so bad that I can't, like, I can't even walk down the street and breathe. I can't even breathe wearing a mask. Like there's no relief unless I go into an air conditioned mall and take a breath. And to me, that is the saddest future ever. And that's the way I see the future going if we don't control our emissions as a species. Um, And so, you know, sometimes I give talks and I'll start the talk by pulling my inhaler out of my pocket and saying, do you want future generations to have to breathe through tubes in order to stay alive? Like, We have to stop dumping our waste and CO2 is waste. It's human waste. We have to stop dumping our waste into the atmosphere and do a better job of filtering it and keeping it, uh, keeping it down. Reaching net zero by 2050 is a hugely ambitious, but important goal that is going to have an impact on every major Canadian industry and community. The adoption of clean technologies is the most important step we can take as a country with regards to the climate crisis. Many of our heaviest emitters are critical industries that we need, things like water treatment, energy production, food production, and transportation. 
We just don't have the option to simply turn these things off. Luckily, we have a ton of talented clean tech entrepreneurs who are developing sustainable solutions to many of our most pressing climate challenges. But we need to speed up the process of connecting our industry partners with the right innovators. We're making progress and moving in the right direction. And if we keep going, we can usher into a cleaner future for the next generation. But we need to work together, we need to collaborate, and we need to invest more than ever in making these transactions happen. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Clean Tech Forward podcast wherever you listen and to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Tune in next month when we'll be back with two of our industry partners. We'll be discussing what they look for in the innovators who pitch solutions to them and what clean tech entrepreneurs need to bring to the table when approaching potential customers. And right now, nominations are open for the BC Clean Tech Awards, our annual ceremony to recognize and celebrate the change makers who are moving us towards net zero. Visit foresightcac.com for more information or to nominate yourself, a colleague, or an innovator that inspires you. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at foresightcac.com or follow us on social at Foresight CAC.